From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. So, J.R., the investigation into the 2020 election in Wisconsin is heating up. Republican Assembly Speaker Robin Voss hired former conservative state Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman to lead the probe. Gableman issued subpoenas late last week to a handful of election clerks across the state and said the burden will be on them to prove the election was run fairly. What are the next steps in the process and how do you think this will play out? We saw the first subpoenas uh, received by clerks on Friday. Um, They're seeking a whole host of records of the election, including how the elections were paid for. Remember, there was a a group that provided private money to some 200 communities in Wisconsin to help cover the cost of an election during a pandemic. The bulk of those funds, though, went to five big cities, which also happened to be fairly democratic. Um, They're looking at issues like that. Now, couple things coming up. One, um, Gableman in the subpoenas said he's going to have a hearing October 15th in Brookfield and wants these clerks to show up with the documents in tow. Uh, Two, we talked to some clerks who said, look, a lot of this stuff is already out there in the public realm. He could have gotten it because we've given it to the legislature through open records requests. You didn't need a subpoena to ask for it. Um, And three, where's this go from here? What's going to be the ultimate conclusion of this? Robin Voss, the Assembly Speaker, on the contract to Gableman for this investigation, has said no, a number of times his goal is for it to wrap up end of October, early November. Well, we're not even getting a hearing on these subpoenas until October 15th. So how quickly will Gableman move after that? And what's he going to find? Voss has said he's confident that Gableman will find uh, things with the election that we should address and, and change. Democrats have said over and over again this thing is flawed. There are all kinds of problems with what's going on here. They don't trust it. And I just don't get the impression that you're going to convince Tony Evers, who's already vetoed several election-related bills from the legislature, to all of a sudden change his mind because of an investigation done by Michael Gableman. It's just not going to happen. In another development, both houses of the Republican-controlled legislature approved a resolution last week to draw Wisconsin's political boundaries the same way they drew them 10 years ago in the redistricting process. Those maps have been the subject of lawsuits over the years, accusing Republicans of severely gerrymandering the state's political lines. Democratic Governor Tony Evers says he'll veto any maps that appear similar to the current ones. Is this a signal of what the next political maps are going to look like from the legislature? Well, there are a couple of things going on. One, this, this resolution states a number of basically policies, according to the legislature, of what should happen in redistricting. And one of those policies they're stating is that the new districts should retain as much as, of the core of the existing ones as possible. And it's easy to understand why, right? Republicans have an advantage in the map that is now in place, and they like to keep it that way. What's going to have to happen, though, there will be shifts to account for population growth. They can't keep everything as is. It will not be the same map. It just can't be done because things like population growth in Dane County, they're going to have to squeeze in at least part of a new assembly district, for example, in Dane County, which is uh, adding more people than anybody else in the rest of the state. Those things have to happen. But they want to send a message about what they're going to do. The maps that they draw will likely look a lot like the current ones with adjustments for population growth. And what's going to end up happening is we're going to go to court. 
Well now, at the same time, the People's Maps Commission unveiled its vision for how the state's political boundaries should be drawn for the next decade. Governor Evers established the commission, and it appears the drafts of the maps it drew would improve prospects for Democrats, although Republicans would likely maintain their majorities. Republican leaders have criticized the commission, calling its very formation unconstitutional. So what do you think will happen with the people's maps? Uh, they'll end up being uh, Evers' submission to courts and this court battle is coming up. Now, a couple of caveats about these drafts of the maps. Uh, one, uh, they show how difficult it is, thanks to geography, to draw a two, true 50-50 map in Wisconsin for the Assembly and the Senate. Um, it's just a fact of life that Democrats tend to live in more urban areas. Republicans are more spread out, especially in rural areas. It's just hard to draw a true 50-50 map. If you go back and look at the lines in place right now, if you took the top of ticket results from the 2018 governor's race, for example, uh, then Governor Scott Walker lost a state election by 1.1 percentage points, but still won 63 assembly seats. Again, if you divide up his share of the votes by assembly district. Under the three maps, the, the drafts that we saw, it would have been all in the upper 50s. It wouldn't have been a 50-50 map, even what they produced. So it just shows you the difficulty of that 50-50 proposition. But a couple caveats to these maps. One, um, the maps that were spit out by the commission as drafts have a very big issue in that they would produce fewer majority-minority districts than we have under current law. That is not going to end up being the final version of the maps. That's a problem for uh, just a map in general, because of requirements under federal law for minority representation. So what's gonna happen is the commission now is going to take these drafts, three for the assembly, three for the Senate, and three for the congressional seats, gather public input. They're going to bring in an expert on the Voting Rights Act and the requirements of that federal law to make sure the maps comply with those in terms of minority representation. Then they will draw a fourth map for each, the assembly, the Senate, and Congress. That will be the map that they submit to the legislature for consideration uh, when it comes time to draw a map, and also to the courts. I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be governing submission to the courts when that comes to fruition. So the maps that you saw late last week, they aren't the final maps. They're not picking from those maps. There are issues with them. Just remember, they are drafts, and they're going to go through significant revisions before it's all said and done. And finally, Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett wrote a letter last week to the Democratic National Committee. The DNC was wondering if Milwaukee would be interested in hosting the 2024 Democratic National Convention. Barrett wrote that yes, the city would be very interested and believes Milwaukee is ready and equipped to again host the event. Milwaukee was picked to host the convention last summer, but the COVID-19 pandemic scuttled plans for the traditional, elaborate in-person event. Instead, the convention went all virtual. So what do you think? Do you think Milwaukee will get another chance? Uh, what I'm watching for is, will Milwaukee raise the money to give it a chance to really land the convention? That's the thing. I mean, there are probably a lot of cities that are interested in hosting the convention, but to host it, you have to go out and raise millions of dollars to pay for a whole host of things to actually have that event come to town. Milwaukee went through that for 2020. It raised the money and they didn't get the payoff in the end of this big, you know, boisterous event with all kinds of people packing hotels all over the city and the region. So what I'm watching again is 
Will you see financial backers step forward and lead a fundraising effort? It could be that the city's interested, but in the end, there isn't the support in the donor community to go through this again and try to put the money together. Now, if the DNC says, hey, Milwaukee, you guys lost out because of COVID, we feel badly here. Here's the convention. That's a different story. But that's not how it usually works in conventions, right? <laughs> they, they require that national parties can require communities to raise millions of dollars to pay for these things. And that's where you're really going to see how interested is Milwaukee in a convention. You'll, you'll know when you see how much we're going to raise to host a convention. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.